0: Hey everybody, welcome to the new episode of the Lavishing Talks with your host Lavesha. As always, we're going to talk the need of an hour and everything that you should be vigilant about. In today's episode, we will be linking two important terms together, human rights and national interest, and we'll be answering questions related to them. For example, have you ever thought that human rights and national interests opposed to one another? Or have you ever thought that human rights be an important part of a country's national interest to an extent of their foreign policies, and many other questions? But before that, we need to know the short history of both the terms together to get a better analysis. National interest refers to a state conducting foreign policies in its own self interest. Some people believe the national interest is separate from any concern about morality, and one well known advocate of the following the national interest in foreign affairs was Hans Morgenthieu. He was basically a German Jewish international relations expert who immigrated from the United States a few years before World War II began. He worked for the United States government and published number of books including one titled the defense of the national interest he and his followers were basically called the realist in international relations and even though Morgenthau believed in the following the national interest he didn't believe that this was separate from morality one contrary he believed that morality required following the national interest because nat- national survival was a moral duty of a nation and a nation that would subordinate the national interest to come other standard is unworthy of the na- nation greed in civilization. Also such a nation would become a prey of victims of other nations which know that how to take care of their interests. It wasn't that Morgenthau and other realists disagreed with the human rights ideas, rather the realists didn't think that human rights were practical in international relations. So basically, the history of human rights is also somehow related to that. So basically, human rights are the set of certain rights that people have regardless of the rights recognized by the government. However, speaking about the human rights did not come among the common until the second half of the 20th century. One of the most prominent voices speaking about the human rights were a British lawyer named and he came from a Jewish family in the austro hungarian Empire and immigrated to Britain before the World War II. And nearly all of his family members were killed in a Holocaust which reinforced him the importance of human rights into the world. He also, like the realist, thought that the human rights and the national interest were at odd with one another. However, unlike the realist, he thought that International law sometimes needed to constrain human rights with national interest in favor of larger concern about human rights. In international relations, work should create more peaceful world order that values human rights. And he, in terms of human rights, was rightfully primarily focused on international relations rather than national interest. This approach has been... Termed as idealist approach. So the relationship between human rights and national interests is rarely analyzed, but it reoccurs as a theme underlying many stories on everyday news. When we read about targeted killings in the Middle East, mass evictions in the Asian region and Africa, international cyber-spying or barriers created in the richest nations to stop immigrants and migrants and asylum seekers, the issue to at stake are implicitly and explicitly uh, reduced to a simple question that should we pursue our national interests to protect human rights? Usually the relationship between the two concepts is indeed depicted as a confectual zero-sum game where one is doomed to be submitted to the other, or some people, often branded as the realist, believe that the national interest must prevail, while others, the idealist, basically think that, let's reckon the human rights always come first. So the challenges are actually deep and they start from our definitions while national trust is not defined beyond vague political sketches human rights are clearly described in a host of international treaties right and indeed the two concepts belong to two different dreams like politics in the first case and law in the second politics is a point to the spectrum of possible actions meant to benefit a collective while law generally refers to a system of rules that prescribe which of those actions are legitimate. It is then natural that tensions should arise between the two. However, from the strictly legal point of view, the choice to uh, be taken by the government should be simpler than any sort of actions which are strictly Simpler than it looks, like all the states at all the times must abide international law treaties obligations, including those regarding human rights. For example, we can say that some will think that exceptional circumstances or to balance competing interest, government must be allowed to resort to extreme measures or maybe to step out of the human rights system. But the human rights system is more sophisticated than one would even assume and already embraces the tools of addressing exceptional circumstances and balancing conflicts of interest. In fact, most of the human rights treaties foresee the possibility of the member states to derogate from certain human rights obligations, though this can only be done in the specific circumstances and under strict conditions. The same conventions also indicate that how we realize trade often between the two competing rights. Any interests call them national or otherwise. They may be at a stake and important enough because they en- entitled that politics infringement of someone else human rights should be delayed, considered, and informed any relevant course of action. Stepping out of the human rights frameworks to pursue international and perceived superior to one another should be neither lawful or non-necessary." From a political and ethical point of view, it is clear that the legal framework can be adjusted to pursue the realization of a specific interest. If someone wants to redefine the rules of the game, however, they will only be able to do that through our appropriate processes and in defined circumstances, since important principles of the human right laws have become customary norms that cannot be retracted. However, Just think that in a way that this means that the hands of the governments are tied. If they think that the killing a child, raping a woman or sending a man back to the country where he risks being tortured may be instrumental to the achievement of what they consider as national interest, there is no way to do so lawfully. Just question yourself that does this entail a reduction of state sovereignty? Of course, it is. It does because this is a limitation that in large part has been imposed by the state on themselves through the development of constitutional provisions, principles that protect fundamental rights and form the basis of the international human rights systems. It is only the thanks to these limitations on the state actions that puts individual fundamental interests on the top of everything else. And they can challenge dictators for ordering the disappearance of the political opponents, government, repressing religious minorities or states for letting the poor starve, while local natural resources are devastated by the big corporations. Today, it seems increasingly difficult to conceive of a sovereign state. As a monolithic entity because different from its own members one with its own interest of course the existence of the multitude of interest of collective nature must be acknowledged but those interests can be reduced one way or another to entrust to individuals who are a part of a collective actions and such interests have been identified by national constitutions and international treaties as human rights thus i argue that a very great existence of a state should be regarded as an instrument to protect and fundamental fulfillment of those rights and such protection of fulfillment will become the primary and in fact the only national interest whereas our own jurisdiction the analysis of most of the cases can be shed some light upon some key challenges to be practiced in many situations. Government imposed uh, state secrecy provisions on information that could be clarifying whether any wrongdoing has been taken. On such an example is provided by many of the government for the refusal of disclose informations regarding the interventions of the. Uh, coast guards in the Central Mediterranean region, and many more. And the statistics is so long. However, the government claims that disclosing the information on the rescue would go against the national interest, as it may jeopardize its relationship with other countries and also involved in the rescue. Clearly, this may well be little more than the excuse to hide embarrassing truth, in the sense that example goes to the core of the issue. How can we know that that particular national interest is not really a mere cover-up about the story, allowing the governments to bypass fundamental freedoms to protect the national interest and the people's fundamental rights, and they only know would result into a blank check for them to use any means to protect their own interest? So now the question arises that whose interest is basically a national interest? And indeed they show up the real nature in practice of the division of stake, one among the powerful who are able to describe their own nature as national, and the vulnerable who often end up as discredited among them. By putting the individual human beings rather than the state at the center of the international law. The development of the human rights movement has challenged the principles of sovereignty not only on the domestic arenas, but also at the international dimension as well. In the political discourse, particularly in the developed countries, human rights are often referenced as foreign affairs, issues rather than domestic matters, but in using foreign policies to advance human rights abroad, many governments tend to do the opposite, employing human rights to achieve quite different sovereign, sufficient distortions, or maybe if we downgrade the human rights to mere the tool to pursue other objectives, we will end up accepting different foreign intervention that sacrifices human rights overseas in exchange of different actions perceived in the beneficial at home. So now we have reached to a question that is it acceptable in order to protect the national interest of state X to sacrifice the human rights in the state Y So basically now we have reached to a question that do you think that is it acceptable in order to protect a national interest of state X to sacrifice the human rights in state Y among political theories it is still among to argue that state foreign policies always ought to be determined exclusively by national interest or at least it is always permissible for a state foreign policies to be determined exclusively by national interest. I would say that it is true that the international treaties have generally attributed on the state party the relationship and the responsibility to protect the rights of the people with its territory and the subject of its jurisdiction. However, the judiciary has over time questioned and adjusted the concept of this jurisdiction in relationship to responsibility of human rights violation, accepting the existence of extraterritorial jurisdiction within the exercise of control and authority over an individual. And that can be even proven, like this process of enhancing state responsibility to protect people in other countries from human rights abuses seem distinct to go ahead in multiple forms. Above, I have suggested that at the end of the day, the content of the national interest of the state is the respect, protection and fulfillment of human rights of those living in the state. Here, as we are balancing the situation of individuals who live in different countries The universal nature of human rights system reveals itself. Human rights are often the same, no more and no less. Across the border, any attempt to justify different behaviours and infringement of human rights depending on the place where the actions have been carried out should be rejected. And the balancing exercise mentioned above will still need to be put into the place. But it will be based on the nature of the interest at stake rather than the nationality of those paying its consequences. Following this approach, the interest of most vulnerable will be most prevailed. Like most of the cases, it will be very much beneficial. To sum up, we should not forget that in the past, national interest was the reason behind any sort of Adversity committed by one another, from genocide to torture, from extrajudicial killings or any other human rights violation, it is prescribably in reaction to such violations and evil attempts, and that an in international consensus emerged during the international treaties in the 20th century to outlaw such practices in all cases with no possible excuse or restriction of justification or any other matter. In this sense, we should remind ourselves that universal declaration of human rights not only indicates which right must be granted and protected with each country, but also that states everyone is entitled to a social and international order in which the rights and the freedoms set forth in its declaration can be fully realized. This principle and with it, the entire international human rights system was born not only out of it but also out of self interest and to preserve the peace between the nations. Clearly, this process is not without scars, and particularly as it entails a limitation of state sovereignty, nor is it finished hampering its further process. Is the idea and often underlying public discourse that we should choose between national interest and human rights? This is often a false choice, though. We must try to shift the paradigm and treat two concepts in different ways, not as competing boxes in a ring, but rather as lovers who have similar dreams but speak different languages. Let's admit it, fairly complicated characters protecting human rights is our own best interest. And as the citizen of the state, as the citizen of this world, This is the process and it is not concluded but despite small setbacks and downturns dictated by the moods of the time, it will go ahead. Alright everybody, with that being said, in today's episode, we discussed that how national interests and human rights are all linked together and how human rights are the best owned interest of a particular nation. By this, I would say you bye and see you all in the next episode of Lavishing Talks on Spotify.